You're listening to a message from Christian Life Ministries in Coventry, a dynamic, growing church in the heart of the nation. We pray that God will speak to you through this word and impact your life for His glory. Yes, Lord, we pray. Holy Spirit, would you come and move in power over our city? We pray. Come and do what only you can do. We lift up Coventry. In these moments, we ask you to pour out your power and your presence to meet every person, to come and invade every sphere of society for the honor of your name. Reveal your glory, we pray. Oh God, we call on your name. Let your kingdom come and let your will be done, we pray. And the people of God said, Amen, Amen. Amen. Well, great to be able to open the word here just for a few moments today. Next Sunday, we're delighted that we're going to have a guest speaker, Danny Murphy, who is the senior pastor of Life Church in Bedworth, just to the north of Coventry. Incredible leader and speaker. And uh, we're thrilled that Danny will be bringing the word into our service. But today, we are on our fourth and final week just exploring open heaven and this incredible season of prayer that we are in the month of June partnering with churches right across the city to pray of every street and cul-de-sac and nook and cranny of our city to pray for transformation it's been so encouraging as well to hear of people outside of CV1 CV6 Uh, just taking up the baton and praying in their villages and their towns. We've had communication from some other places around the UK, have heard what Coventry is doing and wanting to know more. Heard of some people who are not just praying their route once, but every day through the month of June. And we believe for transformation in the atmosphere. In fact, I think right now we can show you a little bit of the app map where we can see the build of people selecting streets when that went live, Uh, earmarking, that's red, and then as they get completed in blue, we're believing by the end of this month, we will have a complete picture of coverage. But of course, we've been saying that the goal was never to turn the map blue. The, The goal is to pray for transformation in our city. And we have a conviction that if we're gonna see something truly extraordinary happen for the glory of God, it's gonna take several different levels of prayer And this is just one step, uniting together, along with witness and mission and action, prayer and action together, can see a city transformed and a city saved. But what a thought to see a city on fire for the name of Jesus, to see churches rammed, see the joy of God bubbling over in so many different settings, people finding Christ and the crime rate coming down and poverty being lifted. I believe that our God is alive and can do incredible things. And as we've been praying for an open heaven, we've also, the last couple of weeks, and then finally today, looking at the three prayer priorities for this prayer initiative. Firstly, that we would pray, God, let your kingdom come, which Esther brought a couple of weeks ago. And then last week, to speak blessing over the places where we walk and pray. And today, we're looking at the third priority, praying for the salvation of those who live and serve in the places where our feet are going and our prayers are being prayed. A couple of weeks ago, Esther and myself on a Friday night when it was CLM's prayer and praise, we, we headed out with a phone and the prayer guide and, and we, we prayed through the prayer guide as we walked. And, and on our way back from our walk, we turned into a, a main road and headed back towards where our home is in the city. 
and, and we, could, we could see the city. We had like a vantage point from the edge of the city over the city. And we started to pray for the city. And I found it so stirring and so significant to be able to see the city and pray over the city. One of my, one of my prayers from Isaiah 60 is that our walls would be salvation and our gates praise. That as people, as it were, cross over the city boundary and come into Coventry, there would be an open heaven. There would be a lightness in the spiritual atmosphere. It would be easy for people to get saved here in our city. Our walls would be salvation. But of course, we can pray grand prayers over a city. And I think we should. We can pray grand prayers over a nation. And I think we should. But of course, the kingdom comes one life at a time, which is why it's so good as well that we're walking up and down streets and we're praying over houses and households and people and stopping as as the Spirit leads us to do that. You know, in, in Luke chapter 19, the Bible tells of Jesus approaching Jerusalem. It says, when he saw the city, he wept over it and he prayed over the city. But, but earlier in that chapter, we also see Jesus coming to a household and coming to the household of Zacchaeus. Most of you know the story. Zacchaeus, the tax collector, who's up in a tree and Jesus is passing through and Jesus calls him out and says, let me come to your home. And, and they eat together and they spend some time together. And Zacchaeus' life is turns, turned around. He, he gets saved, we might say. And, and the things that he's been doing that in cheating people, he, he, he turns away from and wants to put right. And the Bible says, uh, today salvation has come to this house. In fact, I wonder if we can say that together, where you are in your living room, wherever. Today salvation has come to this house. Today salvation has come to this house. What a thought that salvation would come to a house. And Jesus goes on to say, speaking of himself, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save what was lost. And our encouragement to all of us in these last week or so of open heaven is that we would be out and about praying for salvation to come to houses. On the 15th of March, 1987, about nine o'clock in the evening, my mum was ambushed by the Holy Spirit. She was at a meeting invited by a friend, first church service of that kind she'd been in, and she didn't know what had happened to her. But she had this powerful encounter with the Holy Spirit. I remember her coming home. Many of you have heard me tell the story. And she rang the doorbell of our house. I was 16 years of age. I ran down the stairs and opening the door to my own mom and saying, what has happened to you? And she was radiant. The, the glory of God was in her face. And she said, I have no idea what has happened. The next day, she knelt by her bed to say the Lord's Prayer and began speaking in tongues. Didn't know what that was. And a few months later, as a family, we were on a journey of finding out about this living God that we've come to know and serve. My sister gave her life to Jesus and was saved. A few months after that, I crossed over the line. And, and about two or three years after that, my dad crossed the line. And it can be said salvation came to our house. But of course, we didn't even know we needed saving. But we did. And I find it really hard to believe that somebody somewhere wasn't praying for us. I'm, I'm sure somebody somewhere must have been. But, you know, salvation is what God does. And a saviour and a deliverer is who he is. Salvation is what God does. A saviour and a deliverer is who he is. Psalm 27, David says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? 
I love the words in Zephaniah chapter 3. It says, the Lord your God is with you. He is mighty to save. He will take great delight in you. He'll quiet you with his love and rejoice over you with singing. The Lord is mighty to save. The angel appears to Joseph and, and tells him that Mary, to whom he is betrothed to be married, is going to have a son. And, and the angel says, and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. In Acts chapter 4, the early disciples are establishing the church and, and preaching. And Peter, responding to the religious leaders of the day, speaks out and says, salvation is found in no one else, speaking of Jesus, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. Salvation belongs to no one else. The book of Revelation tells of a great multitude that could not even be counted from every nation and tribe and language and people crying out together, salvation belongs to our God. In fact, if you do a study in the Bible, you'll find over 500 verses around salvation and savior and save this concept that God is a saving God. Salvation is found in him alone. One of the great pictures of God's saving grace and power is found in the Old Testament when the people of Israel are, are delivered out of slavery in Egypt. And of course, it's a historical account of what happened but it's also a profound picture of the Christian gospel because all of us were found lost and in slavery to sin with no way of saving ourselves. And as Israel were led out by the blood of the sacrificial lamb over their households, so the blood of Jesus and the cross delivers us. As they passed through the Red Sea and saw their enemies no more, we come through the waters of baptism and, and God brings us forth separated from our enemies and into the promised land, the journey of fighting our battles to enter into the purpose and destiny that all God has. And it's another preach for another day. But God is a saving God. But that picture in Exodus 3 is interesting because it begins with God encountering Moses. And it says by God saying, I have seen the misery of my people and I have heard their cry. I've heard their cry and I have come to save. And I wonder today over our city, will God hear a cry? Will God hear a cry over Coventry? Who will put up a cry to be saved? I believe God can see the pain and the hurt of the people that are in our city. But the truth is the vast majority who need his salvation, who are not yet in the kingdom, they do not know that they need it, just like I didn't. I didn't know that I was a sinner in need of a savior. I didn't know that I was blind until I could see. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 verse 4 says, The God of this age, speaking of the devil, has blinded the minds of unbelievers so they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Now, no one wants to be told that they're blind. It sounds rude and offensive and inappropriate in our politically correct world. But the hymn is so true. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found, was blind, but now I see. I didn't know I was blind until my eyes were opened, and I didn't know how to raise a cry. 
which is why I wonder if someone was praying for me and why today as we focus in on this final week or so of open heaven, we'd say, let's cry out for our city. Let's cry out for those who might not be crying out for themselves. My final verse today comes from Ezekiel chapter 22, where God says this, so I sought for a man among them who would make a wall and stand in the gap before me on behalf of the land that I would not destroy it. To find someone to stand in the gap But then he says, but I found none. I found none. I found no one to stand in the gap. To intercede is to stand in the gap. To pray for the salvation of those who don't even know that they need saving is to stand in the gap. To pray, God, let salvation come to this house is to stand in the gap. And let it not be said in our city on our our watch, I found none. And this week I've a chance to reflect on the different people I've had the privilege of playing a part in leading to the Lord and seeing them find salvation that is found in Jesus. And in every case, there was faith and works. In every case, there was action and conversation and engagement and invitation, but also there was prayer. Also, there was the prayer that said, God, would you help this person come and find your saving power, your saving grace? Some of you will have heard me tell the story of my friend Chris that was the first person I had the privilege of leading to the Lord. Someone at university I was on the same course as. He was, he was into heavy metal, what would actually be called death metal. Bands like Death and Cannibal Corpse and Let, Let Me Not Go On. Dark stuff and deep stuff. And this guy Chris was borderline depressed. And I remember speaking to him one day and saying, how you doing? He said, I'm not good. And I said, what's up? And he said, look, I can't sleep. And and I would have perceived him a long way from God. But you know, as as Jonathan says to the armor bearer in, in 1 Samuel 14, no one and nothing can stop the Lord from saving, whether by many or by few. And I remember I was part of a little prayer group that prayed before breakfast. I remember us getting up the next morning. I said, look, let's pray for Chris. He's having trouble sleeping. And and let's just pray that God would do something. I remember seeing him later that day. And and I said, how are you doing? He said, oh, I'm good. He said, I I can't believe you'll never guess what happened. I slept through my alarm. And I remember quizzing him as to when his alarm had been set for, which obviously seemed really odd to him. But it was after the time that we prayed. And I said, look, I need to confess. And I thought he'd tell me where to go. But I said, I need to confess, there's a group of us, we're Christians, and we prayed for you, and we prayed that God would give you sleep. And to my surprise, he said, well, thank you so much, it must have worked. Within a few days, he came with me to a Christian meeting where the gospel was preached. And at the end, I said to him, look, what did you think? He said, it was great. I said, what did you think about the bit where where you were offered to give your life to Christ and have your sins forgiven and be saved? And, And he said, yeah, it was good. I said, Chris, do you want to become a Christian? And he said, I think I do. I didn't know what to do next, but we bumbled our way through and prayed a prayer and to see the light come on in his life, to see his life transformed as salvation came to his house. And so this week, I want to encourage you, whether you've earmarked some streets on the app or not, if you live inside CV1 to CV6 or not, if you're joining us from somewhere else in the world, that you might get out and pray. We might be a praying people that pray for salvation of those that are near us, that we would stand in the gap and let a cry be heard. Let a cry be heard in heaven for those who might not be crying out 
for themselves. We might say, Lord, let salvation come to this street. We might say, God, let salvation come to this house. God, would you let your saving grace and power be found by all who live here. Lord, you are the only one that can save. We pray, come and pour out your saving grace. Lord, remove every blindness and obstacle and barrier. Salvation, salvation, salvation. So Father, we thank you today. The vast majority of us on this broadcast that have known your saving grace, that have tasted your saving grace, that salvation has come to our house and we take a moment today to say thank you. Thank you we are found in Christ. Thank you we will be part of that great multitude that will cry out salvation belongs to our God. And we pray today that you would stir within us a burden for our city, our streets, our neighbours, our neighbourhoods. And Lord, we would bring a cry that would reach your ears. And in the months and weeks that come, we would see something change in our city where countless people would bring their lives to you and would be found inside your saving grace. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen.